0: what is it that breaks your heart ever give any thought to that what is it that breaks your heart i'll tell you one of the things that breaks my heart and this kind of goes back to when i first started off in youth ministry many years ago you know when you would see students uh teenagers make decisions and make choices that would ultimately undermine their own happiness you know you just kind of see that uh you see it in kids all the time and what i came to discover along the way is it's not just teenagers that do that it's, it's, it's adults and you guys have all kind of been in that situation where you can it's like you can see it coming you know it's, it's like watching a car accident in slow motion and it's like you watch the way a couple treats each other and you go oh you know there's trouble on the horizon or you kind of watch the way somebody's raising their kids and you want to go like ah oh, you know like you're raising them wrong but you, but you dare not do that But then, you know, like ten years later, there's trouble, and it's like you could kind of see it coming a little bit. And it's not just that you're all that smart or you got a crystal ball or anything, but but you're an adult, and and so sometimes you just see it coming, and it's so tragic to watch other people undermine their own unhappiness. I mean, like there's enough unavoidable pain in life without us creating unnecessary pain for ourselves. Isn't that true? Like, you know, like we're all gonna have trouble in this life. In fact, that's one of Jesus' uh, promises that he made. Everybody knows comes true. None of us have like, memorized the verse. You, know, you don't post it on your mirror. You're going to have trouble in this life. Like, oh yeah, i got to remember. You're going to have trouble. Because like, we all know that, right? It's just like there's unavoidable trouble in the world. So why in the world would you create more trouble for yourself? And it just kind of breaks my heart when I see young people and older people in all ages just make decisions that, that again, ultimately... Ultimately, not, not initially or not immediately, otherwise we wouldn't do it, but ultimately undermines their own happiness. And what I've discovered and, and what I've observed is that what we're going to talk about today is that oftentimes the, the reason we undermine our own happiness is a confusion around these two ideas, pleasure and Happiness. Pleasure and happiness. And today, I want to talk about those two words, and specifically the relationship of those two words, uh, pleasure and happiness. But before I get there, I want to begin with something that Jesus said, that if you grew up in church or been around church much, you've heard this before. Jesus is teaching one day, and he's preaching this message, and he makes this statement that sets us up for our discussion today. Here's what Jesus said. He said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And within the context of what he's talking about, when Jesus refers to thief, Jesus is referring to any person that steps into your life or, or that intersects with your life that, uh, that results in you know something being stolen or something being killed or something being destroyed. Could be something specific, could be something general. But when you think about your life, anyone in your life, Anyone that you come in contact with that ultimately as a result of that relationship, something is stolen something's killed or something is destroyed, Jesus would say within the context of this teaching, that was a thief now here's the tricky part, and here's the part you're not going to like and and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a downer for a few minutes, so hang on, but think about this let me let me just ask it this way like you know who in your life if you're like 16 years or older, who in your life has the greatest capacity or the most potential to steal your future, to, to kill a relationship, or to destroy your life? Like when you think about it, if you're 15, 16 years or older, you think about your life, who has the most potential to take something from you that you want, especially as it relates to your future, to destroy your life or to kill a relationship? And the answer is the same for all of us. It's the person we look at every single day in the mirror. Right? You have the potential or more potential to steal from you or, or to kill a relationship or to destroy your life than anyone else. You, in some capacity, you know, are potentially your own thief. In fact, the way we say in our terms is, is, and you probably have heard this before, I am my own worst enemy. Right? I'm my own worst enemy. And here's the bad news as we get started. This is true. You, you are your own worst enemy. You have done more to undermine your own own happiness than anyone else. And you have more capacity than anyone else to undermine your own happiness. And and here's how I know you have the capacity to undermine your own happiness. Because you bought it. You leased it. You ate it. You drank it. You smoked it. You dated it. You slept with it. Maybe you married it. You know, like it's just On and on. You did this to yourself. And when you think back, you think about all the unhappiness, you were there for all that stuff. You were the common denominator in every single event in your life. And as much as like, we like to blame other people for, for our own unhappiness, the truth is we are our own worst enemy. And Jesus says the thief, he's the one that, that comes into your life to steal something, steals your future or to kill something, potentially kill a relationship, or or destroy something. So in some capacity, we are oftentimes that person. And then Jesus makes this extraordinary, extraordinary statement. He says this, he says, I, in contrast, unlike the thief, I have come that they, and and they is his first century listeners, and they is you, and they is me, Okay, they I have come that they might have life and have it to the full now the problem with this last English word full is is that it doesn't really capture the full weight and energy of the Greek word in fact if you grew up in church or around church and like you're familiar with the King James version like here's how you heard the verse I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly yeah abundantly it's a way better word than full and, and abundantly captures the energy it's, a, it's extraordinary. It's, it's beyond average. It's something you don't ordinarily encounter. He says, I have come that you might have life and have an extraordinary, extraordinary life. An abundant life. The kind of life where somebody you know, interacts with you and they're like, wow. You know, and people just meet you and they're like, there's something different. And the thing that's different is not like you haven't had problems or, you know, that you've always got everything that you, you wanted. The difference is there's sort of this internal thing that, that has come to be inside of you that it's just the way you respond to life around you. Jesus says, I have come that you might have an abundant, abundant, abundant life. And then he makes a statement about himself. He says, First, first he says, I have come that you might have an abundant life. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. Which doesn't mean a lot to us because we don't know anything about sheep and we don't know anything about shepherds. But his first-century audiences, you know, they perk up. They're like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, we know about that." Okay, so I we understand. He says, "I'm the good shepherd." Well, how good? Here's how good: the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is so important because you got to understand within the context of the Old Testament, in the context of the New Testament, and all of Scripture, that is that that uh, everything you read is that God sent His Son in the world to be a good shepherd. And Jesus says the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And if someone is willing to lay their life down for you, they are for you. If someone's willing to give their life for you, they're for you. Which stands in sharp contrast to the thief. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd has come to give and build and protect so you got a decision to make are you going to follow the thief you know the the thief that maybe sometimes is you know the person that you see in the mirror or are you willing and i am i willing to decide that jesus really is the good shepherd and i'm going to follow a good shepherd who's for me now the problem uh with uh in this passage is that jesus compares us to sheep you know and if you know anything about sheep sheep aren't all that smart in fact sheep are pretty stupid. And so this is offensive, but you shouldn't be offended. And here's why. Because C- as I said earlier, you bought it, you leased it, you ate it, you drank it, you smoked it, you dated it, and you're glad there's not more room on the screen because like, you know, like all the dumb things you've done, you know? You're just sitting there thinking of illustrations and and you know, like you've made some bad decisions in your life, right? Okay, so Jesus, He knows what He's talking about. You are oftentimes your own worst enemy. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And as offensive as that may be to think of yourself as a sheep, I'm just asking you to follow Me. Now, here's the thing. At times, you are your own worst enemy, but you're not your only enemy. It's very interesting, when you open up the New Testament, the authors of the New Testament personify this word right here. Sin. 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 Uh, they treat sin as if you know, it's, it's a person, it's an entity or, or a power. And the New Testament says, you know, we said this a couple weeks ago, sin always separates. Sin always separates. And you can define sin however you want. You can define sin like the Bible does, offense against God, or you can make up your own definition, which is just like when people do bad things or hurt other people. Like, however you define sin, at the end of the day, sin always separates. We said that sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from ourselves because you've, you've heard or said that, you know, this before. You know, it was like, oh, I couldn't live with myself. You know, I can't live with myself. What, what is that? It's, uh, even internally, there's this separation when we do certain things. And sin separates us from others. And the reason like you're having a problem relationally is like somebody did something you think is wrong or you did something somebody else thinks is wrong. So sin always, always, always separates it. It separates. So you could say this to use Jesus' term sin comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what sin does. So you've got an enemy without, and you've got an enemy within, you know, sometimes the person we see in the mirror. And consequently, if something doesn't change and we're not careful, we undermine our own happiness. We undermine our own happiness. Now, we know this. Right? Like, I haven't told you anything you don't know. None of you are going like, oh, that's unbelievable. You know, I undermine my own head. You know, like I had no idea. In fact, all you're doing is think of illustrations and you're like, like you know, you're glad I don't call on you because we could all stand up here and just give account after account of stupid sheep-like things that we've done you know, because we were wandering around like a bunch of unguided sheep. So why is that? That we do the same dumb things over and over and over like a bunch of sheep. Well, a big part of it is this dynamic is our confusion around those two words, pleasure and happiness. Pleasure and happiness. Now, I don't know if you've ever kind of thought of it this way before, but I got some good news for you. And if you haven't been around church, you may be like, oh, I've never never heard that before. But did you know that God created you with the capacity for both? God created you with the capacity for pleasure? God made that. And God created you with the capacity to experience happiness. I mean, like, like think about it. Like, God created sexual pleasure. You know? and God made that up. Just like toward the end of creation, He's like, "Hey, I got a great idea," and the angels are like, "What?" And He's like, "Well, you wouldn't understand." But you know, like, just see all the animals running around reproducing. You know, we're going to add a little something to the human race, and it's going to be something. And ultimately, it's going to get them into a lot of trouble. But you know, it's just going to it's going to be great. And, and God created sexual pleasure. And get this Jesus made wine, you know, like made it right up front, his first miracle. Hey, let's get this thing started. And they're like, ah, should we heal somebody? No, let's make some wine, you know? I was like, well, you sure you want to start there? Yeah, let's make some wine. And the point being, like, God created the capacity for pleasure. God is not against uh, uh, happiness or pleasure at all. The problem is, it's not an either or kind of a thing. The problem is priority, okay? And, And when we prioritize pleasure, oh, over happiness there's a problem in fact when you prioritize pleasure over happiness ultimately you get neither because the truth is one leads to the other but the other ultimately undermines the one one can lead to the other but the other ultimately undermines the one happiness can and will lead to pleasure in fact I believe it leads to maximum pleasure in this life but if you pursue pleasure and ignore the principles that lead to happiness at the end you get neither because eventually you guys know this like we're all adults eventually pleasure loses its pleasure and it becomes what prison prison because of the law of diminishing returns you know you used to take half a glass and then a whole glass and two glasses and three glasses and pretty soon it's like you don't remember what happened the night before and you're yelling at somebody and like what happened over time every single pleasure every single legitimate pleasure over time if it becomes a master it be, if if it becomes the priority pleasure loses its pleasure and what started as a pastime becomes a pathway and it becomes a habit and becomes an addiction and oftentimes it becomes a prison and it's not that these things are illegal they're, or immoral, you know, these things aren't, aren't anything that anyone would consider wrong, but in your life and in my life, like when we prioritize any pleasure over the principles of happiness that we've been talking about the last few weeks, as Jesus laid them out in the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of the day, all pleasure loses its pleasure. Now the Apostle Paul kind of Teased out this idea a little bit in a letter that he wrote to Christians living uh, in Rome. And basically here's what he said. He says this. Paul writes, Don't you know? Don't you know? Like he'd always start off, don't you know? And this was kind of his way of saying, like, really? Really? Like, do I even need to say this? Like, really? Don't you know? Like, like, isn't this obvious? doesn't everybody know this i mean like this is common knowledge right and i'm not going to tell you something you haven't heard before don't you know but i'm going to say it in a new way that may you know hopefully you take hold of and do something with this is kind of common sense here but but don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone or something as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one you obey and when you read that you kind of go like i don't even know what he's talking about like i i didn't know that because i don't even know what does that even mean let me read it again don't you know and don't think about this in terms of like church and, and the bible and just common sense here don't you know common sense here don't you know when you offer yourselves when you offer yourselves when you when you just say yes yeah i'll take one of those yes 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 i'll have one of those yes don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone or something as obedient slaves your slaves are the one that you obey In other words, if you continue to say yes to a pleasure over and over and over, don't you realize that you're becoming a slave to that pleasure? And you're like, I'm not a slave, I'm choosing. Paul's like, that's my point, see? like, Don't don't you know that if you choose the same thing over and over and over, eventually you're no longer choosing. You're, You're being drawn in and you're giving up control and you're behaving like a slave. You're behaving as if you have to, not simply that you want to. And then he goes on, he says, whether you're slaves to sin, you know, every time sin comes calling, you know, you answer the door, come on in, come on in. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, sin always leads to death. All sin leads to death. Sin kills stuff, kills the way you view yourself, kills your marriage, kills your relationship with your kids, kills your relationship with your friends, other people. Sin always kills stuff. Wherever there's sin, something's dying. He says, so either you offer yourselves as slaves to sin, which leads to death, or there's an alternative. And he's leaning in now to what Jesus said. He says, or you can offer yourself to obedience to God through Christ, which leads to righteousness. And righteousness is just kind of a fancy New Testament word, which means to have a right relationship or a right standing with God. And Paul says, look, don't you realize Every single day of your life you're offering yourself. You're offering yourself as a servant or a slave to either to sin, or in our case, you know, you can use the term pleasure. Not all pleasure is sin. Most pleasure is not a sin, but you are offering yourself to something or someone. He says, when you do that, when you obey, when you say yes over and over and over, you are giving up your freedom and you're acting like a servant or a slave. He says, you can either do that to pleasure, you can do that to sin. Or, you can lean in and offer yourself as a servant or a slave to your heavenly Father. And Jesus' way of saying it is, you can follow me. I I am a good shepherd. And Paul would say, as as we saw a few weeks ago, when you say yes to God, you got peace with God. Which paves the way to peace with ourselves. and, And equips us to make peace with others. He says, when you decide to follow Jesus as the good shepherd and you decide to opt for obedience to God, obedience to God paves the way to have peace with ourselves. I'm good with with me. And eventually it equips you to make peace with others. And we've discussed this. This is happiness. This is happiness. Every happy person you know is at peace with themselves. And every happy person has figured out how to make peace with people even people that don't want to be at peace with them. And most happy people you know have somehow found peace with God. So if you say yes to any pleasure over and over and over, you become a servant to or a slave to that pleasure. And when pleasure takes precedence over the principles of happiness, ultimately you have neither pleasure nor happiness. And Jesus' way of saying it was simply this, remember? If you sow better, you'll reap better. And then you'll feel better. If you sow better, you'll reap better, and ultimately, you'll feel better. And here's why this is so important. And this is where we get into trouble. Because we get in trouble when we're unhappy or we're feeling unhappy, and we immediately want to do something to make us feel better. Right? Isn't that how we get in trouble? I'm unhappy, so I'm going to go shopping. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to stop by the whatever. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to go to this website. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to eat this. Or drink this. I'm unhappy, so I'm going to call this person. I'm unhappy, and I need kind of something to pick me up. I need this quick fix. And that's when we make decisions that ultimately undermine our own happiness. And Jesus' message to all of you who are unhappy, He says there's no quick fix to happiness. You sow and you reap your way there. Happiness is not immediately accessible. And as long as you're saying yes to pleasure over and over and over, to uh, somehow be a quick fix for your lack of happiness. Ultimately, you undermine your own happiness because you become a slave or a servant to the one to whom you give obedience. So Jesus says, sow better, reap better. And ultimately, not immediately, not this afternoon, not by 5 p.m. tomorrow, but ultimately, you'll feel better. But if your response to unhappiness is, well, I've got to do something right now to feel better, Ultimately, you're undermining your own happiness. We already know that, right? Because every single one of us in this room, including me, we know the thing that we reach for to kind of give us that quick fix when we're not feeling happy. And every time you obey that inclination, Paul says, you're acting like a slave or a servant to something that ultimately undermines your own happiness. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. You can trust me. Follow me. You've heard us say this before. Following Jesus will make you better at life. Will make your life better and make you better at life. Following Jesus will make your life better and it will make you better at life. But it's not instant. It's not a quick fix. It's sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing and ultimately reaping. So, got to ask a, a tough question, kind of a probing question here. Okay, and when I ask, ask this question. Your immediate response, you're going to want to push back. So, just no arguing on this question. Okay, this is just for you. Just going to ask this question, and nobody can read your mind. So, you know, there's no point in not admitting it to yourself. But here's the thing I think you, you know, you need to answer this question for yourself because you owe it to yourself to know. And you owe it to the people who love you to know the answer to this question and to admit it to yourself. Because remember, only a thief comes to steal your future from you. And only a thief will try to kill your relationships. And only a thief will try to destroy you. So why not acknowledge what's true about you today? Only a thief would not want you to answer the question. So, okay, this is ready. Here's the question. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Is there a pleasure? Not a sin. You know, maybe sin, but maybe not. Is there a pleasure? Not immoral, not illegal. Or maybe immoral, maybe illegal, maybe nobody knows. But is there a pleasure that is beginning, beginning to undermine your happiness? You can answer that question. You don't have to do anything about it, but I just want you to be honest with yourself. Is there a pleasure that you've said yes to so many times that it's beginning to undermine your own happiness? Is there a pleasure that, if you continue to say yes to it, is going to undermine the happiness of the people you care most about? Is there a pleasure that has begun to undermine your happiness? And if you continue to say yes to that pleasure, you're a thief. You're in opposition to Jesus' invitation to follow him as the good shepherd. Let me ask it a different way, as if that wasn't clear enough. Is there a pleasure that's slowly taking you prisoner? You're slowly losing your freedom to say no? Is there a pleasure that's slowly taking you, you prisoner without meaning to you have prioritized the pursuit of pleasure over the pursuit your pursuit of happiness? And you know the answer to that question. You don't have to answer it for anybody but yourself. But here's what you need to know. One day you're going to look back and wish that you had said no more. One day you're going to look back and wonder why you're You're so unhappy, and you'll discover in that moment that you have become your own worst enemy. That you are, in fact, a sheep who needs a shepherd. And perhaps today, by God's grace, you would be willing to trade your pleasure for a good shepherd who's not going to drain you of life, but a good shepherd who's come into this world to promise you and, and to give you life. And that's an exchange you'll never, ever, ever regret. Because Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and I'm so good, I am willing to lay down my life for my sheep, so that you might have life, and have it to the full. Would you uh, pray with me now? Let me pray for you. All right, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, which is so powerful and probing, and it, just kind of cuts deep sometimes and i don't know where anybody else is here I, you know some people maybe are, this has really hit home and other people they need to just file it away for the future but like god if you're working in somebody's heart i just pray that we'd be open to that and we would know what it what that is that we need to to deal with uh, what it is in our life that we've been saying yes to that's beginning to enslave us that's beginning to uh have control and we keep saying i could say no i could say no whenever i want and, and yet we know that it's harder and harder to say no and maybe it's not bad as just a, a, a pastime but it's becoming a pathway and lord i just pray that that we would know what that is that we would be able to deal with it in advance that we wouldn't undermine our own happiness and that other people wouldn't around us be going like ah, i could see it coming i could see it coming lord uh, you you know you've given us wisdom and, and we pray for wisdom to know what it is that we need to do now how to how to take that next step what step that is to take so father i just pray for the courage to do it that we would just say yes to you the good shepherd father uh we love you we thank you thank you that you are the good shepherd thank you that you came to lay your down your life down for us that you're not a thief that you giver, giver an abundant life. and Lord, we want to live that life. We want to live a happy life, a, a life filled with your kind of happiness. And so help us to do that, Lord. We love you and we ask all these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.